Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now. I have episode 161 of the podcast that was originally recorded on May 15th of 2017. Some of the games I played for this past week, a little more Arcadia Quest Beyond the Grave, the campaign continues. I also revisited Harbor, played a new game called Strazi, got Power Grid the card game to the table, a little bit different than the actual Power Grid the board game. A little steampunk rally was played, and I may have blown up my vehicle. I don't know. You'll have to listen. I also got Twilight Struggle, the ex-number one game on Board Game Geek, to the table, which was a hell of a lot of fun. I also talked about a few things that I want to play. Enjoy the episode. Hey, gamers. Welcome to the games. This is Joe Luzzi from What I'm Playing Now, and welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. We are currently on episode 161 of the podcast. As always, send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on Board Game Geek. We have a guild there. We are guild number 2440. On Twitter, you can follow me at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G, like I always say, on Facebook. Just do a search for what I'm playing now. Our Google Plus page is plus.google.com slash the plus sign what I'm playing now podcast. And then, as always, our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. Okay, I was able to make it down to my local game store a couple of times this past week, as well as getting in a little bit of time at a friend's house playing some Arcadia Quest. So I guess we should probably start there. So we got together, my wife and I, and uh, my buddy's wife actually joined us for this campaign, or this scenario in our campaign, I guess I should say. Uh, This is our fourth um, scenario that we were trying to work our way through, and I actually did a little bit better. I actually got on the board and was on the board um, just as much as everybody else was. My buddy's wife actually kind of ran away with the show, I guess you could say, um, that that evening that we were playing. We were playing one of the other campaigns in the Beyond the Grave campaign, which was what we are currently playing. And I have to say, still having a great time playing this. My characters are coming along pretty well. I was actually able to upgrade a to a very nice uh, sword and a bow in this past game. Um, I think I had got around $9 total. My wife actually kind of ran away with all the money. I think she ended up with about uh, 16 or 17 uh, gold coins at the end of this particular game. I did not have that much. I was uh, at 9 like I said, so I think I was in third place with gold overall. But I did have uh, one or two uh, actual missions completed. Um, so it was, it was interesting. We had a, a good time playing this one. We're going to continue this. We have two more and then we'll see what we jump over to next. I know we're talking about doing a couple of different games. I don't know if we're going to stick with Arcadia quest or if we're going to go down a different route, but as soon as we decide that I will let everybody know. So let's jump into what I played down at my local game store this past week. Since I mentioned a few minutes ago, I did make it out there a couple of times. One of the first games, my buddy and Eric and I played, when we were starting off our little filler for the evening on Monday, I believe it was, was a game called Harbor. I think most people are probably familiar with this game. Will Wheaton has played it recently on tabletop, and it seems that it has actually become somewhat popular recently because of him playing this. I've actually talked about this in a previous podcast. I can't remember which one. I'm not going to look it up real quick, but um, I had talked about it before. It is a worker placement game. We won't go into too much of the rules or anything, but the one thing that I do find interesting in this worker placement game is 
the goal is for you to collect four buildings and you're going to do that by collecting resources. You have a worker that on your turn, you're going to place on a particular building or something, try to collect resources or be able to build a building or do some sort of action. And there, there really aren't too, too many actions you can do in Harbor. And you're try, like, there's four different resources that you're going to try to collect. And the neat thing about this game is there is a track in the middle of the table, kind of like a little a little board, that you're going to keep track of the cost of those different resources and what each one is actually selling for at that time. So when somebody actually uses those resources, uses them to purchase something, you kind of like pull those resources down, you kind of shift them off to the left, the other ones kind of compress, go up, and then those the ones that were just used kind of do like a loop around and then end, end up back at the bottom end of the cost spectrum, which is kind of interesting because you really have to pay attention to what your opponent's going for purchasing wise, what you need to go for purchasing wise, because if you want a particular building that's going to give you that, that looks like a really good building that's maybe going to give you an extra anchor. If you have a card that gives you points for anchors or something like that, or if you are trying to collect something else, or if there's a card out there that you think my opponent may want to use this, so I'm going to try to purchase this. So if they actually put their worker, you know, on my on my building, I will actually get additional resources then. So you really have to kind of watch what's going, what your opponent's working for, what or what you think they're working for at that time. Because there were a couple of times where I think Eric and I were kind of going for the same building or, or going for the same resource, at least, I guess I should say. And I was able to, there was one time where he kind of jumped ahead and grabbed the resources before me. So I kind of had to switch strategy really quick and see, okay, since I have these two resources that are worth something now, they're worth this much now. And I need to pump them up a little bit more for, before I can purchase a building. And I, I'm pretty sure there was one time where I actually used a couple of resources that Eric wanted to use within the next turn or so. But I had quite a few of them, so he probably should have seen that coming. So we had a really good time playing that one. I think I actually, I think when I played this game originally, I don't think I actually got a, had a chance to complete the full game. I think I had to stop before, and I think we only played like half to three quarters of the game before I actually had to stop because I think I had to be somewhere and leave the store, so I didn't get a full game in. But this time we actually did play through the full game. I will say it's a, it's an interesting, nice, light little worker placement game, and um, I'm kind of glad I actually revisited it and gave it a second chance because I think the first time I don't think I was real impressed with it, but for a worker placement game, I will say it's a nice, light one. It's a small box. You can pretty much probably just throw it in your backpack, take it anywhere. It's a much smaller game, so that compact size does make it a little easier to travel around. That game is Harbor, so check that one out. And then after that, our one buddy pulled out a game of Strazi. I had not um, seen this game before. I was not familiar with it, but I will say I am glad we actually decided to play this one next because we had a really good time with this one. Strazi is a game that has an auction-style component to it, as well as, I think you can say maybe some set collection um, for what you're going for, as well as your how your score goes. So on your turn, you're going to have three different pirate flags in front of you, and there's going to be a card that the first person that the first player is going to decide whether they want to bid on or not. If they don't want to bid on it, it passes to you. If you want to bid on it, you can put one of your flags on there. You have three different flags that you can put on there, like I mentioned. 
One flag lets you have a plus one to whatever number's on the card, so it actually makes the card a little bit more valuable. So if there's a six on the card, that plus one would turn it to a seven, which is where it would then go in the line next to whichever color it is in regards to how high it gets to go up as far as what the score of that is, which means the higher point cards will actually score you more probably towards um, when you're doing the scoring round because lower cost cards will go under there. So you're trying to get up at the top end with the card numbers. So this way, the scoring works. The highest card will get you 15 points. The next one will get you 10. The next one will get five. And then after that, nobody gets anything. So that's what the plus one flag does. There's another flag that actually has the three different colors on there, which gives you an additional resource of that particular color that you're going for wherever you put the the card on, on the scoring board. And then the other one is the pirate flag, which basically kind of trumps all. Whenever somebody puts a pirate flag on there, that means they really want that card and nobody can outbid them. So if there if somebody already has a flag on there, the only thing that can pretty much trump any other flag is going to be that pirate flag. So the card's going to work its way around the table until somebody either puts a flag on there or puts a pirate flag on there or everybody decides to pass on this card. Once the player decides to put a flag on there, if nobody beats them or trumps them, they then get to figure out what they want to do with this card and where it's going to go. The board in the center of the table has four distinct areas to it. One is made up of, I believe it's scrolls. The other are the three different colors of, I guess you say currency or goods that can that are on most of the ships. And the ships themselves, like I said, have a number on there. They could also have a little square that will let you take um, a particular type of technology, I believe it was. There's also a place for maybe a scroll. The scroll lets you basically move up one on the scroll chart. And there could be then some, I guess, resources or goods, I guess we could say goods on the bottom of the card, like maybe two gold and maybe a silk or something like that. So with the two gold one, you may want to put that over on the gold scoring track because at the end of the round, you would then get to move up two gold when you do that. So as you're moving up the track, there is not only scoring for the ships that are in that column next to one of the particular goods, whoever is the highest in that particular good. So let's say gold is what we had just mentioned. If I'm the highest on the gold track, I get 15 points. The next highest gets 10, the next highest gets five. So as you can see, most of your scoring is done in 15, 10, and five increments. At the top of each of the three good columns as well, there are an additional 15, 10, and 5 points that can be achieved. So if you are the first person to make it all the way up to that 15, you're going to get to score an additional 15 points. So if you're up at the top and you get that 15, you're going to get 30 points in that round by making it up there. And that's not even scoring your ship yet. So towards the end of the game, scoring can kind of accelerate as you're working your way up these three individual tracks. I kind of ignored the scroll track completely when we played the game. I really didn't pay too much attention to it. And my score wasn't that bad. I think I was pretty much right in the middle of the pack. I wasn't the lowest, but I, I definitely wasn't the highest. Um, but I really, I kind of enjoyed this game. I don't think, I think it's a three player minimum game. If I remember correctly, this is the type of game with that whole auction type mechanic. I just don't see it working anyway with two people. But um, my buddy Marty had actually brought this game down and he was kind of hoping to get it to the table because I believe he had recently just picked it up. And I think this is an older style game. I think on Board Game Geek, it might have been 2004 or so. I'm going to have to look that one up real quick. 
I was I thought it was 2004, but I was wrong. I was going to say 2008, and it is 2008. So it is an older game, about nine years old or so. But I have to say, it was a cool little game. I mean, the the art style on the cards is okay. The ships looked all right. You know, the board in the middle of the table wasn't anything, you know, major or anything. But the gameplay was actually really fun with that card kind of going around the table to see who's going to possibly bid on something, who's going to out-trump somebody, and when each person is going to use their pirate flag to actually bid on something. You know, you only have each round, you only have three ships that you're going to be able to bid on and there's a stack of ships there and if you don't bid on those ships and you're saying pass 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 you could essentially be losing points by not getting anything out into one of the three different areas so you really have to try to figure out what you think is left in the deck if there's possibly anything with maybe a few more goods to maybe move your you know your your particular chip up that track for that particular good so Strazi was a game I really liked. If you have never seen it before or tried it, maybe try to find somebody in your group that has this one. Like I said, I had not heard of it before, but when I saw it and looked at it, I said, this looks interesting. Let's give this one a shot. And I'm so glad I did because I actually really liked it. I thought it was a really cool game. And it's probably one that everybody should give a shot to, especially if you like little auction style games where you have a good group like we did. I think we had a full table of six people playing this one, which made it really interesting and rather, I don't want to say cutthroat because we weren't playing that way because the group that I play with is a really nice casual group of gamers. But we all do like to challenge each other, I shall say, and we do like to win. So it was just a nice, fun, friendly game that we had. So that was a cool one. After that, we jumped over to, um, I think there was four of us that jumped over to a game of Power Grid, the card game. And I had just recently talked about Power Grid a couple episodes ago. We had actually gotten Power Grid at the table. I have actually never played the card game, which looked really interesting. And it was really easy to pick up since we had just played Power Grid a couple weeks ago. The card game plays just like the board game. The only thing is there is no board. It is literally just all cards. You're going to have columns of different resources that are going to be in the center of the table. Everybody's going to try to do the whole auction thing at the beginning to pick out which type of which type of building they're going to purchase or power plant that they're going to purchase. And then you have to use your money to purchase the resources to power those up to score points. And you really don't score points until the end of the game. And it's pretty much the last round that you're going to be scoring points. And I kind of messed up in the round before the last in that I spent a little bit too much money. And going into that final round, I was a little bit short on cash. And when we got to the auction part, I got a little bit too crazy and haywire and bid a little bit too much for something that I shouldn't have. And I wasn't able to power all my power plants because I easily had the most amount of energy being produced in front of me but one card I was not able to power and it just blew my score by eight points and I went from what should have been first point first place down to third I think it was so but power grid the card game like I said plays just like power grid at the beginning of the round everybody does that little auction thing like I said you're going to be per trying to purchase different resources and the the neat thing with the resources in this game is if you actually purchase resources from one of the left columns, the resources that are in one of the higher priced columns, which are to the right, I think the price goes one, two, three, four is the way they work. And then there's five or six cards or so, I think, in each column. Those cards, if there are any open columns to the left, they will move to the left. Now, there are no cards that necessarily 
get moved over into the one column. I can't remember what actually triggers them to go in there, but um, I will say Power Grid, the card game, if you like a kind of stripped down version of Power Grid or something that may be a little easier and definitely, definitely a lot shorter. I think the time limit on the actual game for Power Grid said that it was a 60 minute game. We were able to finish in under 60 minutes and that's with an explanation of the game. Although all of us, did know how to play Power Grid, and most of us had just recently played it, so we were able to just pick up on the game extremely fast. So the the rules explanation was something that was probably summarized nicely, um, and was something we can get through really quick. But Power Grid, the card game, I have to say, uh, there's there are there are a lot of people in my game group who don't necessarily like the the card games that are take take ons, you know, full blown games. Power Grid actually did a pretty good job of turning that board game into a a nice concise card game that that actually worked and was pretty cool. We had a good time with it. So Power Grid the Card Game, give that game a try. If you haven't tried that one, I would give that one another thumbs up. After that on Thursday, we jumped over to a crazy, 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 crazy six-player game of Steampunk Rally. Steampunk Rally is a game where you're going to try to it, it has a drafting mechanic to it. You're drafting different cards. You can utilize those cards for resources to actually power up your steampunk rally your car and steampunk rally is essentially a racing game you're going to start off with an inventor and then which which has which is sitting in a cockpit as well as another part of the car you're trying to collect resources through the through the drafting mechanic and you're trying to power up your machine and then move along the board and cross the finish line. After the first person crosses the finish line, there's one more round to see how far everybody can get past that finish line to see where everybody ends up. And it's it's a really cool game. I kind of pushed it a little bit too much, I guess I could say, probably around the mid-game. As you're moving around the corners, there's damage that your actual vehicle can take. And I did math very poorly in this game. And little did I know that I was going to destroy my ship by going from pretty much last place to first place in one turn by having so much movement and moving around too many corners and taking too much damage. I was a little off in my math, pretty much completely blew up my ship and had to start over with just uh, two pieces on my um, vehicle, and it was very difficult for me to catch back up. This game has a really interesting piece with it. The resources that you're actually getting for the game are dice. There are three different colored dice. There's red, blue, and yellow, I believe. And you're going to roll those dice on your turn after you have gone through all the drafting phase. You're going to roll those dice and actually then put them on the different cards that are going to be on your vehicle. And they will power possibly different things. There's Ones that could actually maybe give you shields and actually protect you from taking damage. There's ones that will move you. And there's just a couple of different actions that the dice can do. The neat thing with the dice that you really have to watch out for, though, is depending on the number that you're putting down on your tableau in front of you, you then in a later round have to try to what they call vent those dice, which is basically trying to remove them from your board so you can put another dice there. But if you put a six down you have to either use cogs, which one cog will take away one number, or you have to kind of, and that's during the venting phase of the game. So you really have to balance when you're doing the whole card drafting thing between 
taking that card, using it for dice, which is what's going to power your machine, using the card possibly to get these cogs, which is going to use to vent your dice, which is to lower them to actually get them to remove from your table, or actually use that particular card to be placed into your board in front of you and building onto your vehicle to maybe give you a few more options with your vehicle because your vehicle can end up being a very large shaped misshapen type deal whereas mine ended up being a very very small vehicle with just a couple of cards afterwards after i had blown the damn thing up but uh steampunk rally was a game i had talked about wanting to play for a while my buddy eric picked it up and we he had played it i think a week or two before I was in the middle of another game, so I wasn't able to play it at that time. So I was really stoked when he actually brought it back to Thursday's game night, and we got it to the table, especially with such a large group of people. It was a really fun, crazy game. Next time, I will definitely probably use the calculator on my phone to try to actually make sure I am doing my math properly and not blow myself up. But Steampunk Rally, as far as racing game goes, is a lot of fun. And this is probably something I may be adding to my collection. I had wanted this game for a while, but I had been holding off till I actually tried it. And now that I tried it, I have a feeling that this one could easily fit into my collection. It's a really cool racing game. The dice mechanic, although we know dice do hate me, is really neat because there's a lot of different cards that don't necessarily need a high die roll. There are some cards that could be maybe a two or higher or a three or higher or a multiplier of you know, you can activate something for every multiple of three or every multiple of five. So you don't necessarily need high dice rolls per se in this game to be able to utilize your dice. So it's it's a game that kind of would probably really work for me because I am really crappy at rolling dice most of the time. So Steampunk Rally, if you haven't tried that one, definitely try to get this one to the table. Like I said, this one is really going to be added to my collection. And then for our last game... My one buddy Jim and I kind of stepped aside from the big table of six that we had playing. Uh, my buddy Brian had actually brought Lagranja to the board game night, and that only plays four players. So I knew a couple of people at the table had never played it before, and one guy kind of wanted to, and I knew Brian wanted to since he had brought it. So I looked at my buddy Jim, and I said, well, we can either step aside and try Hoshbelnect, which I wasn't too sure how it would play with two players. I'm sure it would play fine. But he had mentioned he had also brought Twilight Struggle to Thursday night's board game night. Twilight Struggle used to be the number one game on BoardGameGeek, and I had not tried it before. It's still pretty much very high in the rankings. It is still overall number three on BoardGameGeek, so it's it's still a pretty good game. A game I had always wanted to try, so I looked at Jim and I said, why don't we step aside, let everybody, let the four people play Lagranja. You and I, you know, let's go try Twilight Struggle. So we pulled out Twilight Struggle. He gave me a quick overview of how to play the game. And I can easily see why this game was number one on Board Game Geek for so long. This is a game I will do a spoiler right now. I am going to be purchasing. My wife will probably love this game. Neither of us are huge history buffs, I should say. But still, it's it has that feel of guys on the map and you're going head-to-head with your opponent USA versus USSR versus Russia. And it's a really, really great game. The thing with Twilight Struggle, the cards are going to let you figure out what you're going to be doing. So at the beginning of the round, you're dealt out so many cards based on where you're at in the rounds. I think you're starting out with seven or eight cards in your hand. 
And at the beginning of the turn, you're going to be playing one card, which is pretty much guaranteed to you be, you're going to utilize the action on that card for. So you want to pick something that's good. And I was able to take over several different parts of Asia as well as control a little, little bit of Europe. And then I was trying to go down into Africa. None of us had really touched the USA or South, or, you know, USA or South America. We were pretty much avoiding that. I think, I think he start. I think the USA started off with one um, player over there with one, with one chip over there, but neither of us really tried to expand over there or I didn't even try to go into there. Most of our conflict was pretty much around Asia which I kind of quickly took over, and then around Europe. We were really fighting around the Europe area. So I guess let's go back to the cards since I actually mentioned this. On your turn, you're going to play that first card, which is going to be an event, which kicks off, and each of you will do that. And then in player turn, each of you is going to play a card, you know, going back and forth. And you can use the card for various things. You can either use the card for the event that's on the card. So I was playing as Russia. So if it was a Russian card, I could play it for the event. If it was a USA card, I probably don't want to play it for the event because the USA is going to get to get the benefits of that. So I'd want to find something else to do. So the USA cards, I would try to maybe spend the points to maybe do the, the space race part of the game, which I try to do to go into the space race and... My buddy Jim, I think, got up to like the third or fourth section of the space race, and I was still back at the first one. I couldn't even get past the first one because every time I needed to roll low, I kept rolling fives and sixes, and it was just, I just sat there like, really, dice hate me this much that when I need to roll crappy, I actually start rolling good, but it's it's really interesting. I, I don't want to compare it to Risk, but it does have a little bit of feel in that you know, you're rolling a die, but it's not like you're rolling the die continually for each army that you're going for. You're going to be playing the card that will have a number on there, and then each of you rolls a die that's added to the card if you want to do an attack on somebody. And it really has a whole different feeling than risk to it, I have to say. I think there is a lot more strategy because all of the different actions that these cards can do and the different things that they do is just can really change gameplay. I mean, just by playing a couple of cards. And I, the one thing that kind of threw me was the first hand of cards I was given, I had a lot of USA cards in my hand. So I was really trying to figure out what to do and what to play in what order. Because order can sometimes have a, a, a play in how you're trying to think your strategy. Because if... If your opponent is in a particular area and you play a card that's going to maybe beef up that area, maybe you want to attack that area first and maybe get rid of him before you actually maybe try to beef it up some. Or, you know, if you're able to to actually get rid of some of his, you know, people that are there, and then you can play a card that might maybe help him later on because essentially that is going to happen. You're going to be playing cards that will help your opponent because you kind of got to get these cards out of your hand for the round to end. Now there are cards that you can carry. There is a card. There are some cards sometimes that you can carry over from round to round. Normally there aren't many. And then there's scoring cards which have to be played and can't be held back. And those scoring cards you really need to time perfectly because there was one time I was trying to spread myself out throughout um, Asia and South Asia. And I had the score Asia card, score South Asia card in my hand, and I played that maybe halfway through the round because I had just 
gotten enough foothold there to where I was going to score a nice amount of points. I don't think my, my my opponent, Jim, realized this, and I was able to score a really good round of points there a couple of times by playing some of those cards. And the scoring is kind of like a complete tug of war. There's a score section on the board that starts off in the middle, and the first player to get to, I think it's 20 on either side, can essentially just end the game right there by getting to 20 because you you instantly win. So there's certain cards that also can give you an instant win as well if you play them properly and if you control the right um the right major cities in you know in some of those different um areas of the board. And you're constantly, you know, like so, you know, Jim would play a card that would let him score a particular area where he had a lot of people. So it would be like, okay, he'd be, you know, plus five points. And then I'd score something, we'd be back to maybe zero. And then I'd score something else, and then I'd be up to eight or nine. You know, so it's a constant tug of war to where your score is just going back and forth and back and forth. We did only get halfway through the game. We only did play five rounds because the store was actually closing. So we really had didn't have enough time to actually finish the game like we wanted to. But we kind of scored the game at the end there, and we both really enjoyed it. I, Like I said at the beginning, Twilight Struggle is probably going to be one of the games I purchase next. It's a spectacular game. I really enjoyed it. I have a feeling this will be a game that my wife will really, really enjoy learning. I thought that, you know, there really isn't a lot to the gameplay or the game as far as you know like how how the looks of the game goes i think my buddy jim did have the deluxe version i don't know what the difference is because all of your counters are just little cardboard chips so it's you know the game really doesn't have a huge visual appeal but strategy wise if you like strategy type games and you like one-on-one opponent type games like my wife and i do this game is an instant instant game into your collection if you if you don't already have it so this is a game I'd wanted to play for a long time since it was number one on Board Game Geek. It's one that I've always had my eye on. I had a feeling I would like it when I played it, and after playing it, like I said, must buy, instant buy. Can't wait to actually play through a full game of this one. I hope to do that soon. And that's it for what I am playing now for that part of the podcast. Let's jump over to a few of the things that I want to play. So one of the things I actually noticed that was on Board Game Geek that is going to be coming out, I believe, this year is Fallout Wasteland Warfare. This appears to be a Fallout miniature-style game, which I can't say I'm huge into miniature-style games. I mean, I do like Arcadia Quest, but I don't know if I'd call that a miniature-style game. Um, But I'm kind of interested to see what this Fallout Wasteland Warfare actually is and what what the gameplay's like and everything. So I'm kind of going to keep my eye on this one and see how this one goes. And then the other game that I was actually looking at this past week, Dead of Winter Warring Colonies. Now, I have the original Dead of Winter game, played it a couple of times. I enjoyed it. I had not picked up the second uh, game for Dead of Winter, but the Warring Colonies ones actually does look pretty cool. I'm kind of really interested in playing this one over the, the last one that was just released. So I'm going to have to keep an eye on this one, too. I really like to maybe take that down to the game store one night, uh, my Dead of Winter, and actually get it to the table again. It's been a while since I've played that one, and I'd actually like to play with a nice big group and revisit that one since it's been so long. So those are a couple of the games that I'm actually looking at this past week, as well as a few others, which we can talk about later on another show. But I think that's going to be it for this podcast. As always, you can send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. Send the emails to whatimplayingnow at gmail.com. 
don't forget to stop on over at Board Game Geek, guild number 2440. Pop a line over there and let us know what you're playing. We can talk about that on Twitter. You can follow me at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G, like I always say, or Facebook. Just do a search for what I'm playing now. Our Google Plus page is plus.google.com slash the plus sign. What I'm playing now podcast. And then, as always, our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. I'd like to thank you for joining me for another week of the podcast. Until next week, you know what to do. Go out there, play some games, and then let me know what you're playing now. Until next week, everybody, have a great week gaming, and I will talk to you later. Thanks a lot for joining me. Have a good one. Bye-bye.